0: Oh yes, we are here. We are alive, that's right, and we are ready to go. New Hope Radio at your service, Dave Therian here. Did you ever wonder what happened to the old testament believers that died? Like, where do they go? And then also, hey, like, where are they now? Where are those? Where are the people that died that had faith, but Jesus hadn't come yet? Where do they go and where are they? That's what we're going to talk about today right here on New Hope Radio. There's one thing for sure, and that is we know where we're going. And uh, the Apostle Paul told us where we're going. As believers in Christ here... In the church age, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8, when we are absent from our body, we are present with the Lord. So we know, boom, we're going up. The moment Christians, people with faith in Christ, take their last breath, they're present with Jesus. But like I said, what about the Old Testament saints? What we're going to do, we're going to look at three aspects of the plan of salvation, for Old Testament believers, okay? Because in our last program, you know, we talked about dispensations, different periods of human history where God dealt differently with people, okay? So the Old Testament is a different dispensation from the New Testament, especially the church age. So there are some differences there. So what happened with the believers that died in the Old Testament, is not the same as what happened with believers that died in the church age. Okay, So we're going to see today, number one, how Old Testament believers are saved before the sacrifice of Christ. How are they saved? See, we look back and we know Jesus came. But Jesus hadn't come yet in the Old Testament. How are they saved? Then number two, we're going to take a look at where do they go after they die? And then thirdly, where are they now? Okay? Again, this series is called Theology. And it's basic Bible truths that I believe all Christians should know. You know, we we should have a foundational knowledge of God's Word. Because a foundation is to build on. And if we don't have a foundation, what are you going to build on? So these are truths that every Christian really should understand. So let's take a look, number one. How are Old Testament believers saved before Christ, before Christ came and before Christ died? Okay, well, believing, or faith, has always been the means of salvation. I mean, from day one, that was the means. In the Old Testament, God gave people some scriptures. He instituted feasts and rituals and holy days, and they all pointed to the coming of the Messiah. Right? He told them in Genesis, in the first five books of the Old Testament, called the Law of Moses. In Hebrew, it's called the Torah. In Greek, it's the Pentateuch. We've got the writings of the prophets. All of these things talk about faith. God gave the Passover. The Passover was an action of, of faith, right? Let's go back. Leviticus 23, verse 4. These are the appointed times of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the times appointed for them. In other words, these are the things that I'm telling you to do. (laughs) That's what he's saying. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. And you know, Probably you understand the first Passover where a lamb's blood was placed on the sides of the door of the house and over the top, they called it, I guess, the lintel, the header, we would call it, of the door. And you know, that was like in the shape of a cross. And then at that night, the angel of death flew over Egypt. Wherever he saw the blood, he passed over that house. But where he didn't see the blood... The firstborn in that house died. Okay? That's the Passover. He was looking for the blood. And what did that do? It pointed to the shed blood of the coming Messiah. On that night, they were to eat unleavened bread. Okay? Leviticus 23.6. On the 15th day of the same month, there's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Isn't okay, it really... Not that same night, but that night they did eat unleavened bread. But what does this um, signify? Well, the unleavened bread is something that they did to commemorate the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. It's during this feast. And why? Leaven represents sin. Bread was representative of Christ. It's a picture of Christ being the sinless offering for the sins of the world. So they had a feast of unleavened bread. And it was a picture of Christ being without sin and being the Savior of the world. And then we get to the New Testament commentary in Hebrews 4.15, where the writer said, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. In other words, we do have a high priest who does sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who's been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus experienced many of the temptations that we do, but he never fell for it. (laughs) He never fell for it. It's like, no, man, I'm not interested. I'm interested in serving my Father. And that was it. God also gave the Feast of First Fruits to help people to understand Christ. And Leviticus 23, verse 10, God said to Moses, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land, that's the promised land, right, which I'm going to give to you, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring in the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Now, what's the first fruits? It's the first harvest. And they were given as an offering to God, representative of Christ rising from the dead. That's what that feast signified, the resurrection of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.20, 15, 20. we have a New Testament commentary. Paul said, But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. So of everybody that ever died, Jesus died, but he was the first one to rise from the dead. And in the Old Testament, when they celebrated the Feast of First Fruits, that was a looking forward to who Jesus was and what he would do. So what we're saying is that these people, yes, they were developing faith. They had faith. God also also instituted the scapegoat. He said in Leviticus 16.9, Aaron shall offer the goat on which the lot for the Lord fell and make it a sin offering But the goat on which the lot for the scapegoat fell shall be presented alive. So I guess they had two goats, right? One was sacrificed, one was kept alive. And what did they do with the one that was alive? He was presented alive before the Lord to make atonement and to send it into the wilderness as the scapegoat. So like, okay, what was that all about? By the way, it's where we get our term today, right? Who's going to be the scapegoat for this? In other words, Who's going to get the blame? Right? That's the scapegoat. They get the blame. So this particular goat, the priest laid his hands on the head of the goat, and he pronounced all the sins of the people, and then he sent it off into the wilderness. And you know what that represented? That represented Christ being led to the cross to bear the sins of the world. See why theology is so beautiful? See how it just brings the whole Bible together? And we have that aha moment. Oh, I don't know about you, but to me, it's so great to learn these things and put them all together. I think it's great. In Hebrews thirteen twelve, here's the New Testament commentary. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. See, Jesus didn't die in Jerusalem. They had to bring him outside. The gate, the goat, was sent away into the wilderness, and carried the sins away. And Jesus was suffered and died outside the gate. Oh, those Pharisees! You know they, they didn't want to defile the city. Oh, we're going to murder somebody, but we're not going to defile the city. You know that's what they did. So God instituted the scapegoat to point people to Christ. He also instituted. The Sabbath, that's a good one. You know, if it wasn't for God, there'd be no day off. I tell all the atheists, you should work seven days a week. Why do you have a day off? That's from God. So if there's no God, there's no day off. Get to work. (laughs) (laughs) But they won't. So what's the Sabbath all about? Leviticus 23, verse 3. For six days, work may be done. But on the seventh day, there is a Sabbath of complete rest. A holy convocation. God appreciated this day so much, he made it holy. He said, you shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwellings. And you know what? You know who else benefited from the Sabbath? The animals. They didn't have to work. They didn't have to plow. They didn't have to pull buggies. They didn't have to do things. They all got a day off. See, God understands, man, we need a break. We need a break physically. We need a break mentally. We need a break psychologically. you just got to pull away sometimes. Shame on people that think they have to work seven days a week. For what? What are you thinking? What's wrong with you? You're not proving anything. You're not a hero because you work seven days a week. As a matter of fact, you have no faith. That's another story. New Testament commentary, this is what it pointed to. Hebrews 4.9, There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered the rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Now, what's the Sabbath rest? that's talking about salvation, that Christ did the work. And we don't have to do the work. Christ is our Sabbath rest. We can rest. We're not doing things to find salvation. We're not keeping rules. We're not observing feasts and rituals. Christ already did it. So we're resting in Christ. That's what it means. We're resting in Christ, who He is and what He did for us. He did the work and we get to rest. So God has made it quite clear that those who look to Christ in the Old Testament will be saved. All right, now secondly, where do they go after they die? Well, they didn't go to heaven. Those that look to Christ as their Savior for their sins have been preserved from judgment by God. Okay, we know that. And Jesus told a story which is not believed to be a parable because a person's name is mentioned. Parables are always, you know, of unknown people. You never mention their names, but this story has a name and it's found in Luke 16. And you might be familiar with the story. A rich man was living a luxurious life. Outside his gate was a beggar named Lazarus and he sat at the gate daily hoping the rich man would give him the crumbs that fell from his table. So in verse 22 of of, um, Luke 16, the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died. Boom, that was it. And was buried. Now, in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And he saw Abraham far away, And Lazarus in his bosom. Now, what is Hades? Hades is the underworld. Okay? I want you to, if, I want you to draw in your mind a shape like a football. Okay? Like an oblong circle. Okay? Draw that in your mind. Okay? Then, right in the middle of the circle, put two vertical lines, like railroad tracks. Two vertical lines, dividing the football in two. On the left side, we have paradise. On the right side, we have torments. And that, those railroad tracks that you put in the middle, they're not tracks, that's the great gulf. The great gulf separates paradise from torments and torments from paradise. Verse 24, the rich man cried out, said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things and likewise, Lazarus, bad things? But now he's being comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf, a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and none may cross over from you to us. I can't imagine somebody going from paradise to torments, unless probably self-appointed missionary might go and try to help them out. He said, Then, Father Abraham, I beg you, Send him to my father's house. Oh, I have five brothers, and send him so he can warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. What are he saying? They have God's word. God's word directs us to heaven or paradise in the Old Testament, and away from hell. But he said, no, Father, if someone goes to them from the dead, then they'll repent. And he said, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they'll not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. And and (laughs) didn't Jesus rise from the dead, and yet the world is still filled with unbelievers? So this is the paradise that Jesus spoke about when he said to the thief on the cross. Remember when the thief said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom? He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That was the, that was Hades. The underworld. On one side, paradise. On the other side, torments. Separated by a great gulf. So all the Old Testament believers went to paradise. Now, thirdly, where are they now? Where are they? Where are the Old Testament believers? Well, remember earlier we said, 2 Corinthians five eight, we are of good courage, I say and prefer rather, to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. That's what Paul said. Now, this is true of all believers of the church age. The church age is from the day of Pentecost until the rapture. Where are in it. This is our dispensation. So everybody that dies in this dispensation, present with the Lord, not paradise, heaven. So what about the Old Testament believers? Well, I love the Bible because it answers its own questions. In Ephesians 4, 8, Paul said, speaking of Christ, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, there are various opinions of what this passage means, but they don't answer the question, where is paradise today? So let me tell you what I think. This is what I believe. That after Jesus rose from the dead and completed God's plan for salvation, he took the Old Testament saints in paradise to heaven. Right, Where was he? When his body was three days in the tomb, his soul went to paradise. And he took a host of captives. Captive. The captives were those in paradise. And you know, this is, this is what the Roman army would do. The Roman army would go to war. They'd be victorious, as usual. And then they'd take all their captives back to Rome... And they would lead them through the city after a victorious battle. Kind of like showing off the spoils of war, what they won. Look at what we conquered. Look at what we've got. And all all the people would come out and they would cheer and throw palms and yeah, yeah, right. Well, Jesus did that. He led those he cap- captured. Not the enemies. No, they're in torments. But those that he died for. And he led them to heaven. So paradise is empty. Now, torments, it's still filling up every day. Oh yeah? Every time an unbeliever dies, they go to torments. Every time a believer dies, they go to heaven. So, what do we have in summary here? Because I really want us to understand this basic theology. It's important. You know, every message doesn't have to be hype and motivational speaking and, you know, how to make you feel good. Messages should teach us God's Word. That's what they should do. There's a lot of hype in Christianity today. Television, radio, everybody's hyping everybody up, getting all emotional. But who's learning? It's about learning. Emotions won't carry you through a storm, but God's Word will. God's Word is your frame of reference. And we think with the Word of God. And that's what gets us through. And even understanding something like the Old Testament dispensation. How do they get saved? Where do they go when they died? And where are they now? That's all part of basic Christianity. It's all part of God's Word. And if He didn't want us to know it, it wouldn't be there. There's probably things that are not in the Bible that God doesn't want us to know yet. But one day, He'll tell us. So they're not there. But everything that is there, we need to know it the best we can. So let me give you a quick summary. How are they saved in the Old Testament before the sacrifice of Christ? God gave them scriptures. God gave them rituals and feasts and holy days. And they all pointed to the coming of the Messiah. Now, a lot of them understood that, and some didn't. And even when Jesus came, a lot of the religious people, they didn't make the connection between what God gave them and Christ. They just, they stumbled at Jesus. But that's why God gave them signs to look to, which represented the true Messiah when he came. Like we said, number two, where did they go after they die? Paradise, which was a compartment of Hades. It was a compartment. See that football? You have paradise on the left. Torments on the right. Great golf separating the two. Chasm. You can't cross. You know what that means? Where you are, you are. You know, eternity can be scary. Because once you get into eternity, where you are, you are. There's no coming back. There's no changing. There's no holding tank. There's no purgatory. There's no place where we wait or we get refined. When you believe on Jesus as your Savior, you are refined. You're made righteous. You're made holy. You're cleansed. You're perfect in God's eyes. Perfect. And you're ready for heaven. So it's, it's one or two with God. Without God, where are the Old Testament believers now? They're in the same place as the New Testament believers in heaven. Everybody's going to heaven that believes in Christ. Adam and Eve are in heaven, Moses, David, and Daniel are in heaven, Jeremiah, and Isaiah, and John the Baptist. They're all in heaven. The heroes of the faith, the martyrs that were thrown to the lions they're in heaven. The ones that were sawn in two and burned at the stakes, they're in heaven. Every person that names the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is in heaven. And those that have rejected that and died, they're in torments. It's torments. And torments is named torments for a reason. And we don't boast in that. We don't take pride in that, and they're going to go from torments to the judgment of the great white throne, and then they're going to the lake of fire that burns forever and ever. And you know the sad thing? They never had to go. That was created for the devil and his angels. That wasn't created for man. That was created for Satan. Lucifer, that dirty devil, he rebelled against God, took one-third of the angels with him and the false prophet and the beast, the Antichrist, they're all going there too. But humans didn't have to go, but it's their pride and their stubbornness and their independence that sends them there. It's not their sins. it's their failure to be forgiven and say no, I don't want to be I don't want forgiveness, okay? But we want forgiveness. I want forgiveness. That's why I believe in Jesus. Because I need forgiveness. Oh, I have a lot to be forgiven for. I certainly do. And I thank God for his grace. Without the grace of God, move over a rich man because I'd be with you. I'd be burning there with you. But God is a God of grace. And like Jesus said, the Son of Man didn't come to judge the world. But the Son of Man has come, that the world would be saved through him. That's why Jesus came. And the more people that understand who Christ is and what he came to do, the more people would have truth and more understanding and probably reach out and say, Yes, God, I'm ready. Save me. So that's where the Old Testament believers go, and that's where all unbelievers go. But we're living in the church age. You're going straight up, straight up. This might be a good message to get your non-Christian friend to listen to. Maybe they're on the fence, maybe they're thinking, thinking about God, thinking about eternity. This could be the one that says, you know what? I'm gonna choose Jesus today, do that. Let me remind you again, Subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you'll get a notification every time we go live on the radio, and you can watch it on YouTube as well. Go to newhopecc.tv, click the media button, click New Hope Radio, the icon, hit subscribe, and we're there. That's it for today, and I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.